reading from First Chronicles. Then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, My son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous, for the temple he will build is not for mere mortals. It is for the Lord himself. Using every resource at my command, I have gathered as much as I could for building the temple of God. Now there is enough gold, silver, bronze, iron, and wood, as well as great quantities of onyx and precious metals, costly jewels, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. And now, because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I am giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in this construction. This is in the addition to the building materials that I have already collected for his holy temple. I am donating more than 112 tons of gold from Ophir and 262 tons of refined silver to be used for overlaying the walls of the buildings and for the other gold and silver work to be done by the craftsmen. Now then, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? Then the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals and captains of the army, and the king's administrative officers all gave willingly for the construction of the temple of God. They gave about 188 tons of gold, 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, and 3,750 tons of iron. They also contributed numerous precious stones, which were deposited in the treasury of the Lord, the treasury of the house of the Lord, under the care of Jehiel, a descendant of Gershon. The people rejoiced over the offerings, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord, and King David was filled with joy. Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in your heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion people are made great and given strength. O oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have had comes from you and we give you only what you have first given us. We are here for only a moment, visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. O Lord, our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor you, our holy name, comes from you. It all belongs to you. I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. You know I have done all this with good motives, and I have watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. O Lord, the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, make your people always want to obey you. See to it that their love for you never changes. Give my son Solomon the wholehearted desire to obey all your commands, laws, and decrees, and to do everything necessary to build this temple for which I have made these preparations. Then David said to the whole assembly, Give praise to the Lord your God, 
and the entire assembly praised the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and they bowed low and knelt before the Lord, their King. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning. For those who are visiting, my name's Paul. I'm the senior pastor here. It, it really is a honor to have you join us in worship today. Now, I've got to frame up this time because the 9 a.m. was a bit crazy. I'm just going to come out and say it. About 5 to 9, we lost all of our technology. And uh, that was interesting. And so we had to reset the whole back of the room. And so we started a little late. And then later on, I started crying. It was embarrassing, but it happened. So I just have to warn you, I don't know what's going to happen right now. But God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Additionally, especially for the young people in the room, um, my first point is very long. And then the rest of the sermon will flow quickly. So just be warned or be invited to lock in, especially during my first point. But before we dive into this passage, would you bow your heads with me as I share another brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth in the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, amen. Well, allow me to begin by asking you this question. Have you ever given away your crown? Have you ever given away your crown? In a story captured by journalist Marion Garvey, Brittany Walters made a promise to her mom the day she passed away from cancer. Brittany and her father would go to homecoming the same day her mom passed away, where the high school senior had been nominated for homecoming queen. Her mom, A.J. Walters, an admin at Mississippi's Forest County Agricultural High School at the time, in a person seemingly beloved by the entire community, had never missed anything when she was growing up, from award ceremonies to the games she would cheer at. And even though she would soon succumb to her cancer, Mrs. Walters didn't want her daughter to miss her moment or her big day. So Brittany, who aspires to become a nurse, went to homecoming that night, that very night, with her dad. One fellowship, here's where the story gets even more emotional or touching. While Brittany did not win homecoming queen that night, thanks to an act of incredible kindness and generosity, Brittany still ended the evening wearing the crown. You see, when Nyla Covington, another senior at Forest County, was voted homecoming queen that night last September, she felt the weight of the moment and a deep love towards her classmates. So she decided to do something about it. Nyla, impromptu on the football field, went to the school officials on the field across from her, asked them for permission, and then proceeded to walk across the field and give her friend her crown. Listen, in an act that absolutely stunned everyone that night, Nyla Covington placed her crown on the head of Brittany Walters. 
Now, as you might imagine, the young woman, Brittany, who had just lost her mom that day, with her dad beside her, broke down. Here's a picture of Nyla placing the crown on the head of Brittany. And here was Brittany's response. Quote, I just felt it was something that was put in my heart, Covington told Garvey. I was just letting her know that she was loved by many and especially by me. And so last fall in a small town in Mississippi, a young woman changed another young woman's life by giving away her crown. One fellowship, let me ask you and me today, have you ever given away your crown? Have you ever taken that which is most precious to you, cherished by you and perhaps cherished by others and given it away for the sake of another? Have you ever demonstrated or gifted that measure of love? Today, we're gonna spend the next few minutes diving into a passage, 1 Chronicles 29, which I've never preached on until today. So I'm excited, but we're gonna dive into this passage where this is exactly what we see from King David and his leaders. Today, we're gonna examine what happens when we see widespread kindness and generosity poured out for the sake of another. Furthermore, at the end of our time today, specifically during our last song, we're gonna invite you to not only hear the word of God, but actually act on the word of God. We're gonna ask you to come alongside our leaders here at One Fellowship and demonstrate the same kind of kindness and radical generosity that we see in this passage as the very crescendo of our one campaign through which we hope to build a lasting community, a flourishing city, and a gospel movement. So who here is ready to dive into God's word? Can I get an amen? amen. Let's do this. The big idea we'll see today from our passage is this. When the people of God, standing on the promises of God, release the resources of God for the next generation of God, revival breaks out. When the people of God, standing on the promises of God, release the resources of God for the next generation of God, revival breaks out. And we're going to unpack this through three points. Point one, stand on the promises of God. Point two, release the resources of God. And point three, invest in the next generation of God. So let's begin. Point one, stand on the promises of God. As we enter this passage or look at this passage and reflect on King David, uh, he's able to do two things at this point in his life. First, he's able to look back and be grateful how? Standing on the promises of God. Second, he's, he's also able to look forward and be hopeful. How so? Well, standing on the promises of God. So first, he's able to look back. Hear these words from Psalm 32, which were written by David himself. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, in whose spirit there's no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. 
and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. Isn't that beautiful? You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Friends, let me ask you guys this question. Have you ever really messed up, like really messed up and wondered, what have I done? How did I get myself here? Guilt's an interesting thing, is it not? It can cause us to blame or shame or even hide or guilt can cause us to repent, which biblically speaking means to turn, which is what we see from David here in Psalm 32. Listen, despite all the incredible things King David did, he was far from perfect. He was a flawed man. At one point, in fact, after ascending the throne for Israel, lust got the best or the worst of him. Some of you know the story. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, we read, King David actually took another man's wife as his own, slept with her, impregnated her, then had her husband Uriah, a faithful soldier of his, killed in an attempt to cover up his tracks. It was a despicable series of events. And that's just one example. Thus, David was a flawed man, a flawed leader. But guess what else? He was a loved man. And that God still loved him. Through all the highs and lows, God still loved David. And when David humbled himself and repented or turned back to God, guess what happened? God forgave him. David said, quote, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. I share this because it's a backdrop to our passage today where King David had come to realize that God's love was and is so powerful. It's powerful enough to deal with all of our sin and all of our shame. All of it, not just some of it, all of it. Consequently, David, by the time of our passage, could look back and be grateful, despite the good and the bad he had done. Why? Because he could stand on the promises of God. Now, bridging this to the New Testament, the full measure of such forgiveness and love is found where or in whom? Jesus. Quote, you were dead because of your sins, because your sinful nature was not cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it by nailing it to the cross. First Peter 2, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Listen to this. By his wounds, you have been healed. So friends, even if you have sinned greatly or frequently, listen, we can find healing and forgiveness. Where? In Jesus. In Jesus. The key is to humble ourselves Turn to God, cry out for mercy, and allow Jesus' love to cleanse us and restore us. Thus, no matter who you are or where you are in life, the invitation is to trust in him so that you can look back and be grateful, standing on the promises of God. Moreover, at this point in David's life, he could also look forward and be hopeful. Can you look forward and be hopeful today, standing on the promises of God? Okay, here we go. Let me bring it into the room here. Allow me to ask this question. Have you ever prayed for something or wanted something really badly and received this answer? No. 
Have you ever prayed for something or wanted something very badly and received this answer? No. Might there be more going on in your story? This past week, I received a letter from a gentleman in our church, and it pulls at the mind and the heart. Listen to these words. Hey, Paul. Hey, Paul. I had spent 13 successful years in New York City pursuing my passion as an actor when I began the journey to become a Chick-fil-A operator. I feel the, I feel the feels, y'all. This required a move to South Carolina, to Charleston, and I found one fellowship known as Diff or Daniel Island Fellowship at the time. I was on my way to owning my own business and became engaged. My life was falling into place. My plans were all coming together. However, then my life took a very difficult and unexpected turn. My fiance broke off her engagement in a relationship of six years. My business pursuits appeared to be stalled. COVID hit and my sweet daddy sadly passed away from cancer. During this time, I felt the deepest pain and sadness I've ever felt in my entire life. And I couldn't even call my daddy to talk about it. Why, God? Why? I was so numb. The gentleman continues. I wanted to be alone and cry. Everything would remind me of my dad. Grace gives us the ability to do what we're unable to do in our own strength. My daddy used to say, God is always late but right on time. The Lord was so gracious and kind to me and on time when he used one fellowship to surround me, pray for me, encourage me, and be there for me to lean on. The love the church showed was incredible. Whether it was my life group praying for me and checking in on me regularly. I might need a tissue, y'all. Can someone hook me up? Thanks, Taylor. I can barely see the words. Whether it was my life group praying for me and checking in on me or folks at the church giving me a much needed hug and listening ear or even a pastor, true story, rescuing me, rescuing me at midnight when I ran out of gas on the Wando Bridge, the Lord truly worked and continues to work through my church family at one to be a part of my healing. Plan A for my life didn't come to fruition. I was discouraged, but I trust the Lord. On to plan B. I accidentally met the love of my life a year later. Literally a unicorn. I had a friend's giving. Had the Lord given me my business sooner, we wouldn't have met. I would have married the wrong person and not have had the time I was given to spend with my daddy. A year and a half later, God gave me a Chick-fil-A franchise. As the old saints say, I feel as I've come up the rough side of the mountain. And I've realized that there's no plan B, only God's plan A for my life. It's been a dark and painful time, um, but his mercies are new every morning and they never end. It truly is a joy to have communion and Christian fellowship. And I don't know what I would have done without the love and support of one fellowship during this time. I know I'm fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of a relational God and it makes total sense to me 
that I have a desire to be together with others. There's truly no other place on the planet I would rather live life with than the people of one fellowship. I'm humbled to be in a church with people who've been nothing but kind, gracious, and generous with me, and all the while showing me the love of Jesus Christ. Love you, Jonathan. What a testimony, right? Kudos to all of you, our church, for rallying around Jonathan and for rallying around all who are struggling, going through those valley, valley seasons of life. I just love one fellowship. I love our community. However, I share this testimony for a bigger reason, to highlight something for us. While Jonathan had wanted a certain thing in life, it turns out God had a better thing in life prepared for him. While Jonathan had wanted a certain thing in life, it turns out God had prepared something better for him in life. And what's that proverb? You might know it, Proverbs 16, verse nine. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And this was not only true for Jonathan, it was true for King David. What did David want to do for God by the time this passage was written? Build God a house. Build God a temple. You know what God said? No way, Jose. He didn't actually say that. He said this. Uh, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood. I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father. He will be my son. When he does wrong, I'll punish him with a rod wielded by men with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Note how this word forever is used again and again and again by God for David. God's love would last forever. God's plan for David would last forever. Forever, Nothing would ever be able to separate David and his offspring from God's love. I hope you see that. Thus, it makes sense that David could not only look back and be grateful, he could look forward and be hopeful. But guess what, fellowship? The same is true for you. And we know in all things that God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. In other words, no matter what life throws at you, you can trust in God that he'll make something beautiful from it. Moreover, hear these words from Jesus himself. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My father's given them to me. He's greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Talk about security, one fellowship. Listen, Ashley. Listen, we are totally, absolutely, fully secure in Jesus forever. Forever. We're secure in Jesus forever. Thus, we can stand on the promises of God, looking back and be grateful, and we can look uh, forward on the promises of God and be hopeful. So point one, this is our big point, Jack. Stand on the promises of God. Moving to point two, release the resources of God 
Then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, my son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. Talk about honesty. The work ahead of him is enormous. The temple he will build is not for mere mortals. It's for the Lord himself. And using every resource at my command, I've gathered as much as I could for building the temple of my God. Now there's enough gold, silver, bronze, iron, and wood, as well as great quantities of onyx and other precious stones, costly jewels, all kinds of fine stone and marble. And now because of my devotion to the temple of my God, listen, I am giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. And then skipping down, now then, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? Then the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals, the captains of the army, the king's admin officers all gave willingly. And then skipping down more, the people rejoiced. The people rejoiced over all the offerings for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to whom the Lord. And King David was filled with joy. Again, I know I spent a lot of time on point one, so I'm gonna make this second point brief. A few observations. First, look at this. David didn't just give, but he gave out of his quote, own private treasures of gold and silver. Why is this significant? Well, it's significant because according to my research, quote, this cachet was extremely important to rulers in the biblical world because it was kept in reserve as insurance. It was the backup plan, as insurance against unforeseen political misfortunes or natural calamities. In other words, David not only gave out of his plenty, he gave out of his reserves. In other words, he risked boldly for God in this moment. Second, note the response of the leaders. We read that they all gave freely and wholeheartedly, right? Well, if you dig a little deeper, this means they all gave a free will offering, meaning they gave above and beyond their tithe. That's what it means. Moreover, note that they were united. And what happens when the church or the people of God unite? Well, Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. For there the Lord bestows his what? Blessing, even life forevermore. And this leads to my last observation under point two. Note the results, the results. The people rejoiced. David was filled with joy. I don't know about you, but I'd love to see the joy of the Lord fill this room and this community even more. You see, when radical gospel love reorients our hearts towards radical gospel priorities, it leads us to radical gospel generosity, which leads to radical gospel joy. Joy. This leads us to point three, invest. Invest in the next generation of God. In the words of Psalm 78, verse four, we will not hide these truths from our children. Children, we will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. And that's exactly what we see from David and the leaders in this moment. Beginning with verse 10, then God, excuse me, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. And then skipping down. 
O Lord, the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, make your people always want to obey you. See to it that their love for you never changes. Give my son Solomon the wholehearted desire to obey all your commands, laws, and decrees, and do everything necessary to build this temple, to see this vision come to fruition for which we've made or I've made these preparations. And then we read, David and the Holy Seventy uh, gave praise to the Lord our God. What a picture, right? What a scene. You see, when the people of God, standing on the promises of God, release the resources of God for the next generation of God, what happens? Revival. Revival breaks out. You see unbridled, full body, people laying on the, other translations, people are prostrate. How do I say that? Prostrate? Whatever. You know what I'm getting at. They're laying face in the dirt. Before the Lord, full body worship, holding nothing back. Friends, listen, as a church, we can never overinvest in the next generation of believers. It's not possible. We can never overinvest in our kids, our students, or the gospel leaders of tomorrow, today. It's not possible. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And this always forward, a posture is always present in the Bible, whether people have kids or not, whether families have kids or not. Furthermore, I want us to note the goal of this special moment of First Chronicles 29, this building campaign by David. It was not ultimately about a building. It was not. It was about creating a space where God could faithfully dwell with his people and as, as people could faithfully trust in their God. And as we shift to the New Testament, I don't know if any of you come from a uh, Jewish background, but what does this look like in the New Testament? What is this a picture of? It's a picture of the church, which we're told is the new temple of God, the church. You are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, also members of his household. How special is that? Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, this very passage, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a what? Holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Thus, one fellowship, listen, this is so important. The one campaign is so much bigger than a building. It's about investing in the next generation and the generation of that who will come and follow Jesus. The gospel always calls us forward, calls us to pray forward, calls us to invest forward into the next generation. So to that end, to wrap up our time, I want to share what our kids and students have been doing recently. And I don't know if you saw me glance over here, but I was distracted. Why? Because even during the service, the kids have been going around, placing their hands on the building and praying over the building. Moreover, they've been writing letters to the future kids of One Fellowship. I have over 40 letters. I'm not going to read all of those today, but I'm going to read a few. This is from a young gal, I think, Everly, Reagan Moody. Dear future kids, I love One Fellowship. I hope you have as much fun as I did, even though I was busy as a bee. 
I still had so much fun at One Fellowship. I'm talking to you from South Carolina, Charleston, November 6, 2022. Have fun at One Fellowship. This is the next one. Dear Future One Kids, I hope that you enjoy this class as much as I did. This class is really fun, trust me. I especially love the basketball court. I hope that you enjoy ice cream in the summer festivals and at various other times of the year. And that it will, be, uh, it will not be hard for you to graduate to one students from one kids. Love, not just sincerely, love David Huang. This one doesn't have a name on it and it's shorter. I hope you love the special church we built for you. And then a tag. God made the wonderful, beautiful world of animals. That's important to share. Amen. Here's the next one. Dear future one kids, not future, future one kids. I hope you come close to God. What is it like being a kid in the future? I hope you're doing okay. I hope you know that God loves you. God loves you no matter what. Do you know that today? God loves you no matter what. I hope you have a good day. What do you like to do? I like to do stuff. Do you have any pets? <laughs> to future one kids, I hope that you're learning all about God. Right now, my church is building your church, which you probably think is normal. Love, James Frederick Hewitt III. And last but not least, dearest future child. It's been a very warm November here in the Low Country. The church here on Daniel Island is located in an abandoned boat factory. <laughs> I hope as you read this missive, not message, you will be encouraged. Many of us look to the future with a mix of hope and trepidation. <laughs> I hope you're a fearless follower of Christ, not unwilling to go where Jesus has asked you to go. Even when it's hard, do not forget that we here in the year 2022 have prayed for you. God is with you. That's what our kids have been up to. How about our students? Let me show you a few pictures from this last week from one students. Next. Incredible. Our students have been fervently praying over every single space in this facility, not just for the now, but for the not yet, for the revival that they hope to see and be a part of in the years to come. How special is that? When the people of God, standing on the promises of God, release the resources of God for the next generation of God, um, revival breaks out. So one fellowship, be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save thou, thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true word, I ever with thee and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great father and I thy true son, thou in me dwelling and I with thee one. Riches I heed not, 
nor vain empty praise. Thou mine inheritance now and always, thou and thou only first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure that art. High King of heaven, my victory won. May I reach heaven's joys, O bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. One fellowship, let's boldly band together to ignite a gospel movement, a revival for the generations to come. Together, let's give God our crown and watch him work. It's our time. This is our time to act for our good and for his glory in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Amen.